0: Heaven is not only a destination, but a motivation. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to add to that. Paul's hope of heaven made his aim on earth to please God.
1: The Spirit of God was given as a down payment. A guarantee. All the changes that you see being made in your life right now from the inside out is a guarantee that God is going to continue to work. What he's begun in you, he will complete. And it's over and over again. It may not be happening as fast as you would like. It may not be happening as thorough as you would like. It may not be happening as even the feelings that you're having haven't gone away as quickly as you would thought. But you know this, the Spirit of God is a guarantee that God will complete what he's finished. Even you fall down, you fall down really hard. You, you slam and face plant. The Bible says, though a man fall seven times, he rise again. Why? Because of the work of the Spirit of God in your life.
0: This is amazing grace. This is amazing done for me. Sculptor John Bacon left this inscription on his tomb in Westminster Abbey. What I was as an artist seemed of some importance to me while I lived. But what I was as a believer in Jesus Christ is the only thing of importance to me now. This is Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor has been taking us through the book of 2 Corinthians, and we invite you to open your Bible to chapter 5. The Apostle Paul had his sight set on heaven. And that helped him get through the trials of life. Pastor Ed believes the same holds true for us. How do you make it today? You have an
1: eternal mindset. Let me show you what that looks like. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. And so the reality of our country and our state, we just need to be in prayer. And we need to be really good citizens of heaven on earth, loving and caring and You remember what they accused of Jesus? You remember they accused Jesus of being a friend of who? Sinners. (laughs) Prostitutes. Wine bibbers. Tax collectors. Hey, you're a friend of tax collector, Jesus. But tax collectors in the days of Jesus were despised. That's basically what they're saying. He's friends of people that we wouldn't be friends with. Jesus says, emanates love. Somehow he was able to see past the self-deceived sin, and see the person. You want to pray for that in your life. You want to pray that somehow, as vile as what people are caught up in, and whatever it might be, that we can see past it, the hope of heaven. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul again is writing to a different church, and he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And here's the key. Here's how to do it. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Perhaps you want to memorize that and just really think it through this week. Test it when you're watching the news. The things on, You want to set your mind on things on the earth? Then the things that you see are going to really stir you and probably create things in you and i mean the thing that i see with this whole governmental decree in our in our state ourselves one of the things that i see is that they're not helping people government was in place to help people and they're just they're not helping people they're helping themselves it ties in together with nehemiah where a good leader seeks to help others not themselves A good leader is really wanting there to not further their political career or make a decision based on what the popular opinion is, but they are going to make a decision based on what's best for the people that they oversee, even to their own personal loss and their own personal pain. And I see what's happening um, just in my short life of the government officials, and many of them are not helping people. So if the government isn't going to help people, Spiritually, and obviously we wouldn't expect them to, and the church gets sidetracked on other things, who's left to help the people? God has established his church on the earth for the sole purpose of helping people in his name, not abdicating that to anyone else. How is that possible? Set your mind on things above. You know, sometimes believers, followers of Jesus, are accused of being too heavenly-minded, Especially those that would believe in a rapture, like we do, pre-tribulational rapture. You might even hear somebody say, well, you're just an escapist. <laughs> you're thinking you're so heavenly-minded. You just want to live for the rapture. You're no earthly good. That, that's possible, certainly, where there could be a mindset where people misunderstand The expectation of the soon return of Jesus where, you know, you're just, oh, Jesus is coming back, so I can just live however. That's a total misunderstanding. If it's ever true that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, that's the wrong place to be. But I want to suggest to you that you will never be any earthly good until you're heavenly minded. There won't be any perspective to what you do. There won't be any motivation spiritually until you understand the heavenly scene. No longer interested in, no longer bound by the earthly. The new believer, the the born-again believer's mind is set and pointed and focused on heavenly things. That's the true perspective that Paul is trying to get to us. He says in verse 3 of Colossians 3, For you died. Do you really believe that? Spiritually, you died. The old you is dead. The old you is not to be resurrected. The old you, the person who you were a distinct person between the, the life that you live, no matter what your testimony is, the moment of being born again, you died, now your life is hidden with Christ in God because verse four, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Then he goes on, you can, the rest of chapter three, he, he says, put to death, you know, there is a, a responsibility we have, the members of which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, Passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, in order for the church, this is going to be really hard for you to receive, but I I want you to receive it in love for the church. And I want to speak for us in particular, for Calvary Aurora, uh, to make any difference in our society. You, You can't continue to be a hypocrite. You can't denounce one sin while you're coddling two sins in your own life. You can't point the finger at some great ill in our society while you're living in sin yourself. We won't have any effectiveness. We won't have any voice. We won't have any... You'll just be what Paul described. He'd say, "And, and we'll, that, that's us. If, if, if we aren't going to take seriously the claims of Jesus and, and die and understand we've died, and our life isn't hidden in Christ, and that uh, when Christ who is our life, if we don't realize that and appropriate that in our lives and live that way and send the message that way and and believe it, let it motivate our lives. If if that isn't, then we're going to be we're, we're going to be exactly what Paul said that we're going to have a form of godliness." But denying the power thereof. That means we're gonna have a name that we're alive, but we're gonna be dead inside, and nobody's gonna listen. And the world doesn't need more preachers, the world needs more pastors that will come and care for people. I don't mean that in the Bible teaching sense, I mean that in the heart. It's easy to preach, but pastors live. We love and we live with a pastor's heart. I don't mean the titles and positions in a church. I truly believe that the only people on the earth who experience joy and happiness are those that realize that this earth is not the end, it's not where it's at. The hope of heaven is tugging on our hearts daily, it'll change how you make decisions. Of course, we'll get bothered at times and how can we not see on the news and be upset in a righteous way? But the mirror is always there as we open up the scriptures and the mirror just reminds us of the work that God is doing in our lives so that we might have a voice in our society before it's too late. Saving people, saving people, continually saving, drawing people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, the ones that are trying to find and those that are trying to gain contentment seems to be the ones that are always frustrated. The ones that are always seeking earthly contentment and satisfaction seem to be the ones that are always the restless ones. The ones that never satisfied. And just on simple things, you know, like the things that you purchase never make them happy. They thought they would, but they wouldn't. The relationship that they chased after never left them satisfied. But like the author to the Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, Everyone, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And back in 2 Corinthians, I know that you're seeing the same things I'm seeing. And I know that even those that are listening, they, those that are caught up in sexual sin of any sort, there's hope in the Lord. He can deliver you, He can free you from it. And I don't speak, again, as someone that would judge you like I'm totally clean. I've never made a mistake in my life. That's so not true, but the Bible says that I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There is richness and fulfillment in him. And he moves back in chapter 5 from tents to clothing. Did you see that in verse 3? Having been clothed, we have a newness. We're not going to be naked and the the desire to be clothed. You know, because there was a teaching in the day that Greeks believed that the body was the prison for the soul. And therefore, a resurrection would only prolong the imprisonment. But to God, the body itself is not negative. He created the body. The problem was not the body, it's sin. That's the problem. And Jesus dealt with sin in a very powerful way. Verse 5 again says, now he... Well, before we get to verse 5, let's just pray for our state. Lord, I, I mentioned the, the things that are going on in our own state, and I pray for our own mayor, um, our governor, and um, our, the mayor of Denver and all the other cities. We just pray for them because that's what your word says. And while we strongly disagree in many ways with the decisions that are being made... They don't, Lord, they, they, we just pray that you would not let us get off track in our discouragement, in our disgust, in our sorrow and anger. That we wouldn't be controlled by our emotions. But God, we would not lose sight of the people that are trapped by sin, any sin, in our own weaknesses, in our own lives. I pray against the false teachers. I pray against those that are claiming to be followers of you and outright lying, not being faithful to your word. Just just absolutely misusing the word, misusing your Bible to somehow bring gain to themselves and justify all kinds of behaviors, first in their own lives and then in those that would be drawn to them. I think of strong denominations, God, that were started by godly men who had a passion for you, have been overtaken by liberals and false teachers and for that we're greatly sorrowful but it could happen to us it could happen to me God so keep us strong I pray for those that are caught up in any sin I pray for those that would take another step of another step away from you whether they're close to us family and friends our neighbors our co-workers I pray you would bring freedom in their lives and put the right context of those male-male and female-female relationships back to the place that you've ordained. And that is good friendships. You've ordained that. that, that you, you approve of that, God. Good friendships. But not where it leads to sin. And so I pray solemnly for our own state. We know that the state of Colorado is not going to last forever forever. The United States is not going to last forever. Even the earth is not going to last forever. But while we're here, for the sake of our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids, may we stand in unity and righteousness and love, being gracious vessels for you to use. And so we pray of all those needs and, and recognize that you hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 5, now he who, who prepared this for us, this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. God is preparing, even right now as I'm talking, this eternal destination. How that looks and what the timing of that is, but we know that God is preparing it, even the afflictions, even in the hardships. The, the spirit of God is a guarantee of your salvation. A guarantee. The idea behind that word, you could, we would get from that Greek word our idea of an engagement ring. It's a guarantee that something even greater, the ring guarantees or promises that marriage is up ahead. And so this guarantee could also be seen as a down payment, being engaged to Jesus. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. This is one other verse in the scriptures that will help you to have comfort and assurance of your salvation. You don't need to be worried about losing your salvation you don't need to be worried about what happens and whether I'm a believer or not. If you've been born again, the Bible says you've been given the Spirit as a guarantee. A guarantee. You can hold fast to that. Therefore, verse 6, we are always confident. Yes, we are. He doesn't, God doesn't motivate by fear and guilt. He motivates by confidence and love. So here we are. We're confident. I know hardships have come. I know afflictions have come. I know what I see is scary, and it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's painful, but that's not where, that's not my life. I don't live by what I see. Or maybe I do, and that's what shakes me. (laughs) So he says... Therefore, we're always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But then verse 7, notice, for we walk by faith and not by sight. What confidence that we have that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's not we walk by sight and not by faith. It's the other way. We walk by faith and not by sight. Because we can see something and we can come to a conclusion and we can look at everything and process everything and think things. We can get the calculator out and add it all up. And, it, you know, it's, sometimes you're doing the calculator. There's a negative. There's a line before the number. So you're looking at your bills and you go, I don't have enough. And you're looking at it and you, you have a chance to believe in the calculator or to trust the Lord. You can see the difficulty that's ahead. You can see the paper that's before you. And you and I, we can make a choice to believe what's in front of us. What we see we can walk by faith. But this is a place where we make a mistake. We've got the guarantee of the Spirit of God in us. We have the confidence of the Lord, but then we choose not to walk by faith. Every trial in our lives is designed to undermine your faith. If it's a frontal assault right between the eyes, if it's a side, if it's, a, if it's one of those things that quarterbacks get, the blind side, whatever it might be, I can tell you right now, it's going after your faith and trust in the Lord. I like this too. It says that we walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't say that we walk by feelings. It's a convenient temptation for us to be really controlled by our feelings because our feelings are real. And when we're feeling really, really well, then we interpret that as a really, really good relationship with God. And then we feel really, really bad. It would be easy to interpret that, that I really don't like my relationship with God. I don't really like God and he's being unfair to me and it's not right what happened. And and that's simply walking by feelings. The thing about feelings is that they are real. Your feelings, when you feel something, that feeling is real. It's not make-believe. But here's the problem with feelings. You might want to jot this down. And you can put it in the first person in your notes or in your Bible. Feelings can lie and misrepresent reality. Feelings can lie to me and misrepresent reality. I can be carried off with an emotion that actually doesn't reflect reality. So that if you learn not to walk by your feelings and not by faith, then you're living with your eyes on the earth. And so the Lord would tell us to take every thought captive. And he would inspire Paul to write that, to take every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ, to know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, for the battle against every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Eve believed a lie. Adam believed the same lie. And it led to great destruction. It's only in the truth that there's freedom. So mark that, verse 7. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. Heaven not only a, just a destination, but Paul says heaven is also a motivation. It moves us. Paul's hope of heaven made his aim on earth to please God. The Spirit of God was given as a down payment a guarantee. All the changes that you see being made in your life right now from the inside out is a guarantee that God is going to continue to work. What he's begun in you, he will complete. And it's over and over again. It may not be happening as fast as you would like. It may not be happening as thorough as you would like. It may not be happening as even the feelings that you're having haven't gone away as quickly as you would thought. But you know this, the Spirit of God is a guarantee that God will complete what he's finished. Even you fall down. You fall down really hard. You, you slam and face plant. The Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. Why? Because of the work of the Spirit of God in your life. Even as believers, we stumble and fall. Every man, James says, stumbles. What James is talking about, too, he says, stumbles with our tongue. Have you stumbled with your tongue lately? <laughs> like well you didn't you better read the bible because it says you did (laughs) because it is it's just like oh all sorts of things big things little things and i'm just so grateful for the grace of god that not only does he has he delivered me but he continues to deliver me it's a work that's continual and so if you've fallen recently just get up repent come back into relationship with jesus walk by faith not by sight. Maybe you got bad counsel. Just dismiss it. Walk by faith, not by sight. Maybe folks dealt with you in a harsh way. Hey, just walk by faith, not by sight. Maybe you dealt with yourself and condemned yourself. Beat yourself up. You're you're one of those men or women that has such a sensitivity to the Spirit, which is wonderful. Just be careful that that sensitivity is led by the Spirit and not by your emotions, especially when you fail. We walk by faith, not by sight. By faith, not by sight. By faith, not by sight. Not by feelings. Not by our own wisdom. Why? Because we set our minds on heavenly things.
0: We've seen the importance of an eternal mindset as we traveled on earth today on Abounding Grace. We're in the midst of a series that's based in 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to hear it again, go to calvaryco.church. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Pastor Ed, as you were talking about the eternal mindset that we're to have, there's a question that comes to mind that many wrestle with, and that is, what happens to the believer when they die? This verse in 2 Corinthians 5, absent from the body, present with the Lord, that gives us a clue, doesn't it?
1: Oh, you know, Larry, it does give us a clue. Not only does it give us a clue, it gives us the clue, because the moment a person passes away, their last breath on earth is their f- leads to their first breath in the presence of the Lord. But let me just say this before we continue. If you're listening to me right now and you've lost a loved one, someone that you care about, someone that you love dearly, I'm sorry for the pain that you're going through. Grief is very, very hard. And it's probably really hard even for you to hear, absent from the body but present with the Lord. But even though it's hard— the truth is, a, is something that God uses to encourage us and strengthen us. And it's good to know that our loved ones that were believers in Jesus Christ are in the presence of Jesus Christ right now. And it's good to know that while we're still here, we can continue to make an eternal difference in other people's lives. But what happens to the believer after they die? They don't go to purgatory, uh, they don't cease to exist. They don't begin something known and called soul sleep, which is no such thing. The believer immediately is in the presence of the Lord. And what joy and what
0: encouragement that brings our hearts. Thanks for those encouraging words, Pastor Ed. Thank you for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word of God to help them grow by God's abounding grace. And when you support this ministry today with the gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Contented in All Things Peace by Jeff Gepe. Maybe you've noticed many Americans today lack true contentment. No matter how much they have, they're always wanting more, bigger, better. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. And in Contented, Pastor Jeff Geip helps the reader find peace in all things and get on the path to contentment in Christ. Here's where to reach us, 877-30-GRACE, or turn to calvaryco.church on the web. That's 877-30-GRACE and calvaryco.church glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Second Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.